Vito, I'm back. You're, you're back from Italia. Oh, my I goodness. I decided to come home mostly to my chagrin. Just kidding. I'm glad to be back. But, man, I had a great two weeks out. The worst part about being over there was watching basketball during March Madness. Literally impossible. Because I, I remember everything you, uh, was at like three in the morning. So I would I just wake up say. and go, oh, wow, South Carolina lost? That's wild. Wow, Iowa's pretty good. Oh, my goodness. What is UConn? Do FAU won again? What is this nonsense? Most wild Final Four of my lifetime, I feel like. And I didn't get to see any of it. Yeah, when you posted the uh, the times that were for uh, for you uh, in Italy, whenever you're like, ooh, let me see what time the Final Four matchup is. Uh, just kidding. That's 3 a.m. my time. I, oh. uh, I don't blame you for missing those, but... I had flashbacks when we were in London during bowl season, me staying up till two in the morning to watch or one in the morning to watch USF and Marshall in the Gasparilla Bowl. And damn it, that was a mistake. Yeah, idiot. Why would you do that? I don't that know. Was- it was terrible. But like <laughs> I, I did. So uh, strangely enough, the national championship game, I woke up early enough because that was our travel day back. I woke up early enough to see that UConn won. So who's the real loser? <laughs> yeah, nothing um, Gasparilla Bowl. Well, Vito, it it is so good to have you back, and uh, and technically both of us are back because I, I took last week off to to relax and recuperate after two straight solo shows. Just uh, took the wind out of my sails, but it's it's good to have it back. Um, a lot's happened in the last two weeks, uh, notwithstanding a, a new hire, uh, but. Before we get into that, introductions, welcome back to another episode of the USF Roundup. More importantly, it is uh, your co-host for the evening at Robert Stieglife at Anthony Vito underscore. We are here to talk everything and anything USF Olympic sports, so you're oh. non-football related. Can uh, I talk USF about the Rays? Uh, we could talk about the, the, the undefeated 10-0 Rays. We talking about those guys? We talking about the Rays, baby. Ten and zero. Go to the games, people. Go to the games. Beat the Red Sox one to nothing tonight. Before we we logged on, Um, we have a lot to talk about, so we won't talk too much about the Rays. But it is freaking cool. Let's go. It is. It is great. Say in Italia, vendiamo. I had to do it that. We're gonna we're gonna do a lot of these tonight. It's nice to get your like gratification of, um, hey, the Rays haven't played anyone in their first three series. You know, play someone good. You know, you're you're playing up against the equivalent of UAB in football, and and then they go out and you know beat our story, our historic rivals there uh, with a Brandon Lau home run uh, in the eighth. Uh, I think it was they, eighth. It was the eighth. Yeah. So Colin Pache uh, got out of a a a. a, a um, guy in second, guy in uh, uh, guy in first, guy in second jam with a really awesome web gem of a play, and then immediately in the, in the bottom half of the inning, Brandon Loud just takes him yard. We love it. We absolutely love it. Tickets are cheap. Uh, support local. Support our uh, our friends in the Bay. That's all we could ever ask for. But the purpose of the show, uh, we're here to talk about Taylor Swift. We are. We hope you got your tickets. Steeg and I did. We'll be there Friday night. Not yep, that's the, the only thing game. I'm doing Friday night. Yep. Um, <laughs> no, I'll have a I'll have a plug for the uh, I'll have a plug for the spring game here in a minute. But we'll we'll focus on on USF uh, Olympic sports and and we'll talk with with basketball for a second because 
to get you up to speed, Vito, because I know you missed it. You definitely didn't see this while you were in Italy. Uh, USF has a new heads basketball coach and uh, and coach Amir Abdur-Rahim, uh, who came over from Kennesaw State. <clears throat> so he uh, he took Kennesaw State, who had been a perennial loser in Division One men's basketball, into an NCAA tournament team that became this close from upsetting a, uh, a historic uh, dominant powerhouse in Xavier uh, in the Big East. That close to upsetting Xavier, didn't quite get there. Um, he's our new head basketball coach. Uh, we could talk about the good uh, that has happened in the last two weeks here since then, which is USF has three uh, transfers from uh, Kennesaw State who have transferred in, and they are three quality transfers from Kennesaw State, which is probably the best uh, the best news of all. And I had the names on my phone, and then I lost them. So give me a second while I fix them. Well, while you do that, I will tell you a funny story. As, as I told, uh, when we flew to Italy, we were plus five hours, and then they also had daylight savings time. So while we were there, we lost an hour. And then we were plus six hours. So there'd be times where like all the night and like in the evenings here, there'd be news and there'd be banter and there'd be conversations and I'd be asleep. So I would wake up and I would just like read it and go like, oh, hey, look at that. Looks like we're going to have a new head coach before we fly over in Notre Dame, uh, former Notre Dame head coach, um, Mike Bray. This is going to be great. I'm so excited. That seems fine. I'll convince myself of that. And then I wake up one day in Italy and Steve's like, yeah, that's not happening. Oh. Okay, it might be Ryan Odom. Like, whoa, my the Utah State coach. That's really cool. This seems really fun. And like, literally four consecutive days, I would wake, go to sleep, go like, we don't have a head coach. Maybe I'll wake up, we'll have a head coach. We didn't have a head coach. Then all of a sudden, that fell through, and it was a mad, a mad sweep. And when it was uh, Abdur Rahim, that was early on. You guys talked about how that would be a really uh, home run hire. So I was really glad to see that it was able to still keep that going and. Um, kind of feel bad for the FAU coach because um, he probably could have cashed in real hard, but he was in the Final Four, so he could not. Oops. Uh, he'll get fine. He'll get paid like you know, $4 million a year to go coach Indiana next year uh, once they fire Mike Woodson. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, three transfers in for USF. Uh, Kennesaw State transfer Casey Jennings, uh, Chris Youngblood, and Brandon Stroud all transferred in from Kennesaw State into USF. Those are three very high quality guys, uh, three starters uh, for uh, most of the year for those three uh, for Kennesaw State for the Owls. Um, Brandon uh, Stroud was the uh, uh, the Atlantic Sun Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Chris Youngblood led the Owls in points last year, and um, Kaysen Jennings was a decided a decidedly role player who played a big part in uh, Kennesaw State um, Kennesaw State's offense last year. So. Three very high quality guys to get the wheels back turning properly for USF men's basketball in the proper direction. But then on the other side of the gambit, and I think it's probably easier at this point to dis- to discern who is left from USF men's basketball rather than uh, who has transferred out. Uh, there are three players left uh, from the USF roster. Notwithstanding any of the guys that has that have transferred out, you have Sam Hines, you have Corey Walker, and you have uh, Sultan Miguel. So you are left with right now six scholarship athletes. So Coach uh, Amir has a little bit of work to do. Um, in case you're wondering, there is 
a really good reason why Selton, Corey Walker, and Sam Hines are the three that are left. It is a lot more difficult to transfer twice in collegiate men's basketball um, than anything else. Uh, there are special waivers you have to get. Uh, the rest of the guys that did transfer, uh, and I'll, I'll look to a guy like Russ Chewa, who um, a fan favorite, and, and I wish him nothing but the best. Um, he's a grad transfer, so his transfer is a little bit easier after transferring in from Texas Tech. Um, so I, I think if it was up to you know some of the powers that be, there was a chance that you would have no one left on the team at this point. Um, and then Anthony Robinson, uh, the tr uh, true freshman who was uh, signed his national letter of intent with USF a couple months ago, uh, he is staying committed. Uh, Miles Che and um, Anthony, or no, excuse me, Tyler Ringgold uh, decommitted. So right now, seven guys on scholarship for USF men's basketball. Um, not a big worry. Let's kind of be frank. Um, you know, they're going to have to rebuild one way or another. It was going to be a combination of portal, JUCO, and uh, transfers. Not a big deal. They'll they'll he'll piece out uh, the players. Um, staff wise, uh, there's been a few rumblings of whom he is going to bring on. Uh, maybe some Kennesaw State uh, assistant coaches, and uh, maybe another guy from another uh, mid major pro or a uh, low major program. I can't confirm names because uh, they're not confirmed yet. But I've heard some inklings on who that would be. So. In the next couple of days, we'll probably hear who uh, the staff is. Um, they've already started reaching out to some players in the portal. Um, uh, it has not been announced yet, Wizard. It has been rumored. Uh, there is paperwork to be done. There is um, papers to be shuffled. And then they'll make the announcements all at the same time. I think they're trying to get all the staff in before they make the announcements of, you know, associate head coach, assistant head coaches, et cetera, et cetera. So... We'll see those in the next couple of days. Not to be worried. Uh, Coach Amir knows what he's doing. They have plenty of time. There is no press for, you know, we have to get guys in by April 17th or anything like that. They'll figure it out. There, there's no worry about that. And then uh, we'll, we'll move into women's basketball um, because, again, there's not much going on in the men's basketball world aside from a few transfers. Can, can I just add something real quick about that too? Yeah, like, go ahead. With with basketball, the amount of transfers that are just coming in and out of every program—the good, the bad, the ugly—it it's really nice to be able to get three guys that the new head coach has has play, has has coached for, and they've played together. Because a lot of times you get a new coach, and it's just kind of like trying to bring pieces in just to fill a roster, and that may or may not work. So bringing in three guys that have played together and know his style, that could also pay dividends teaching everybody else, okay, this this is how we want to do this, or this is how, what's he called, a bone? B-O-N-E. Bone. Yep. B-1, no so, ego. I, and you know what? I, I think that's a really, I, I know it's like, well, it's Kennesaw State. What are we? Well, at some point, it's like they went to the tournament. They played really, really amazing. Having these guys all come in together could pay dividends later on. It's It seems better than like that first year with Brian Gregory where you just brought a bunch of transfers in that, played a year it was just to fill the roster so i i i'm looking forward to it i mean i i listened to the intro press press conference after i got back and i mean presses all the buttons it seems like a great guy and you know i'm I'm looking forward to it it's got me a little more excited about men's basketball so there we go oh yeah he's he's, he's got some fun traits about him he and he's doing a lot of grassroots stuff which is fantastic to see as well mm -hmm. um and so yeah it'll be fine once we get those transfers in you know uh i'll tweet about them i'll, I'll 
find what I can about them. Um, I, I know they're going to go after a few, um, you know, big post guys uh, because uh, the biggest guy on the roster right now is uh, Corey Walker at six foot eight. Uh, so <laughs> need to get some uh, get some beef in there at some point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, moving into what I could still consider to be breaking news, I think um, women's basketball with I, I was kind of expecting this to be quite honest. Uh, not just one, but two WNBA draft picks on this evening, on this Monday, April 10th. Back to back. Back to back. Elena Shinecki, uh drafted 20th overall by the Washington Mystics. And Dulcie Fankham Manjayadu uh, drafted 21st overall to the Seattle Storm. That is two. University of South Florida women's basketball players getting drafted in the WNBA draft. There are 36 draft picks in a year uh, for WNBA, and USF got two back-to-back, and US, and two what I would consider to be uh, in the top half. Um, once you get in that third round, it's it's you know it is what it is at that point. But uh, regardless, uh, fantastic to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he hadn't seen it already, um, I think it was Coach Mercedes um, posted a, a video of um, the team huddled around together. Um, I think I believe Elena is with uh, her family in Greece tonight. Dulcy was with the uh, USF women's basketball team uh, here in Tampa. Uh, they posted a, a video about two or three hours ago of the team like huddled around together, um, and the the telltale sign of if a team is going to be on ESPN or is going to be featured at some point, they'll usually use the really nice floodlights. Um, and they had those really nice floodlights in there. And I was like, huh, those are only when they think that that's a really good chance of happening. Um, they do the same thing in the, in the, um, in, in March madness or in any tournament selection shows, you know, you'll usually see the team huddle up in a certain way and they're lined up in uh with chairs facing in a certain direction towards the television. But regardless, um, fantastic to see. I, I, I can think of, uh, of two players that have um, emulated the USF brand as, as well as those two have over the last couple of years. Um, Dulcie, especially for coming and transferring in and just being a, a wonderful face of this program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I am super, super excited to see those two work because those are, those are two gals that will work in the WNBA. Um, Dulcie, especially as as kind of a post uh, mid range player, um, yeah. The, the, I can't say enough good things about them as USF players. How the, how well they've done over the last couple of years. So um, you know, another notch into Jose Fernandez's belt. Um, you know, another draft pick under his uh, regime, and another uh, little piece of ammo that he can put on recruiting trails. They, I mean, they were fantastic. I remember when Elena first came here, and uh, when, uh, before she even played, Jose says our, our best shooter hasn't even started yet. And uh, I'll remember her first game. She's had a really great career here. You know, again, I'll, especially when you have to fight through the whole COVID, the COVID years, it just adds that much to it too, like the tenacity and the perseverance. And I mean, Dulcie really exploded this year. After last year, it was uh, Betty in her, this, that same role. So between the two of them, now now they're both in the NBA. Going back to back, that's like I want to like historically look at just basketball overall and see how many times like player teammates go back to back in the draft because that's that, that seemed out of nowhere. Once I saw Elena and then I got the notification that Dulcie went, I was like, oh my gosh, it's back to back. That's crazy. 
the you know, hidden first year bubble, it happens a lot. Oh, does it? It happens a okay. lot in the WNBA. I, I guess uh, I guess that's true. UConn and South Carolina, and I, I could I could count programs on the top. USF joins a very historic level of company of uh, of programs that have had that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, UConn off off the top of my head, but South Carolina, Tennessee, it's happened with a few times. Stanford has happened a lot of times as well. Um, you know, well, I'll, my bubble is officially burst. Robert, but thanks for a mid-major, and and again, I hate to consider it this way because it sounds like a dig, but that's just the nature <laughs> of it. Is USF is a mid-major basketball program that doesn't really happen in the mid-majors. Mid-majors usually will get lucky to get one person drafted, let alone two back to back in the second round like this. It's it's fantastic to see. Um, you know, I, I my only my only dig at this God make a more southern. WNBA team for once, mm-hmm. like put a team in Florida. I know they probably won't do it, but put a team in Florida so that I can root for a WNBA team at this mm-hmm. rate. Because uh, Washington and Seattle, not close. Um, nope, not at all. Not even close. And and they rarely will play Atlanta. So that sucks. So uh, our chances of, of seeing a, a wild Elena Shinecki or, or Dulcie in the in the WNBA are slim to none. But who what? knows? Maybe I'll get a few uh, a few jerseys for it. All I gotta say is, how come nobody wants basketball in Tampa? Because USF, it's, it's USF is a is a basketball town. That's why. It's we've cursed this town is the reason why. <laughs> if we're gonna be specific, um, no, but we'll we'll um, again super excited for Dulce and Elena. Um, mm-hmm. We'll we'll keep tabs on on recruiting for USF um, for women's basketball. They had a transfer out today. Um, they were hosting a girl over the weekend as well. Uh, so there was a, a few um, changes that have happened over the last couple of days, but um, we'll Louisville keep transfer. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I wish. Um, I I did post in the Discord uh, mm-hmm. who I think it might be under my best guess, um, but again, I, I my my sources on this one are not as solid to to give it. So we'll see if it's if I'm correct. But another reason to join the Daily Stampede Discord. It is free to join. Just follow us here on Twitch and you'll get access to our Discord where we talk about women's basketball. We'll talk about uh, food mm-hmm. and our favorite places to eat. Vito was posting a lot of stuff in Italy. There was a lot of and, photos. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff happening there. And um, not even so, that. We had somebody who said that they're going to, going to Hawaii and just asked for random recommendations. And they didn't even know that there's someone who lives in Hawaii in the Discord and gave them a bunch of recommendations. Just stuff like that. We talk about TV. We talk about wrestling. We were talking about golf and the game threads. There's something for everybody. And we also have a little suggestion box for anybody who wants to talk about anything. And uh, so far, so good. We haven't had any issues with anybody. And it's been a really nice community. So please join us. Um, and it is, uh, as, as for now, through the, fall, through the fall, all the recruiting news you get is free. Um, so anything that uh, Robert, Steve, Life over here has for you or anything that the the uh, Daily Stampede staff or its contemporaries has for you is uh, free in the Discord. So uh, come on in. I'm assuming yep. if you're here, you probably already joined. So we can move on. <laughs> That's more for the podcast, folks. Um, <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll move into men's tennis, and we're going to quickly um, glance through these because uh, again, we were gone for two weeks. Um, we're not going to bog down into the details of uh, of these games, uh, but just quickly, uh, men's tennis is uh, sitting at number fifty three. Uh, the new ITA tennis rankings come out on Tuesday. So by the time you're listening to this, 
that will probably change. Um, they are 12 and 11 overall on the year. Again, uh, take the record, toss it out the window. Just look at the rankings that they give because, or excuse me, throw the record out the window, look at the rankings because the rankings are what's most important. Um, when it comes time for uh, the NCAA tournament, uh, the ATA, ITA rankings are, are more important at this point. So um, USF uh, got a few good uh, resume booster or got a good resume booster over the weekend. Uh, they defeated number 50 SMU 4-3. However, the rest of the weekend didn't fare as well. Uh, they lost to Tulane uh, number 43, Tulane 1-4. And then they uh, unfortunately lost to number 57 UCF 4-3 to in what I would probably consider to be uh, the most paid attention to tennis match in the history of the Daily Stampede Discord. Uh, Bruno Oliveira was in a three-set tiebreaker that lasted uh, an hour and 10 minutes after uh, the fifth single set had finished. So uh, his uh, Bruno's match went very, very long compared to the rest of them. Uh, went to the third set tiebreaker, went to a tiebreaker within that third set, uh, and he lost eight to five uh, in that third in that third set tiebreaker to uh, to lose the match there. Um, but uh, neither none of these losses were uh, major uh, hit losses, and that win against SMU is actually going to be a, a good boost up for them. Um, they told they host Tulsa this Friday to close out the regular season, and once they're done with the regular season, we'll move into the conference play. Um, I, I suppose at this point that the ITA already has their minds made up on who is going to be in the NCAA tournament or not. Um, so if USF is still ranked after this week, I, I'm fairly confident in saying that they will make the NCAA tournament. Um, but we'll see how the rest of the, these last uh, couple of matches go for them. You can see how tight-knit that the conference is. Like uh, USF is number 53, SMU is 50, Tulane's 43. UCF's 57, so there's a lot of tight-knit um, rankings there. So I mean, yeah. so even those losses are, I hate to say the word, quality losses. <laughs> right, and, and SMU is up there as well. I think SMU was like number 51 or something like that. Um, so it, it's the AAC is a very high-quality conference. Uh, it, it just sucks that for the last like five matches, they've played <laughs> the ranked teams back-to-back-to-back-to-back like that. Mm -hmm. um, but moving on over to the uh, women's side of things, again, the most improved team on campus, bar none. Um, I will have egg on my face for the rest of my life, and Nate will never let me forget it. Uh, number 60 ranked USF women's tennis is 13 and 6 on the year. Uh, keep in mind, they won seven matches all of last season, including the postseason. Mm -hmm. where they won two. They won five matches, five regular season matches all last year. They've already doubled that, going for tripling. Um, they had a pretty uh, great week last week, uh, to, to, to put it bluntly. Uh, they traveled to Houston to uh, take on a few foes. They took on Rice, uh, where they won four to three. They lost to FIU one to four, but then they turned it right around. Uh, they beat Houston four to one um, to close out their Houston trip. And then they came back home uh, against Tulane and just embarrassed them. They won four to two in a, in a match that wasn't particularly close either. Um, so they, they've been greatly improved. Um, Sierra Berry, just the hottest name on campus that should be talked about more. She's astoundingly good at tennis. Um, she's been phenomenal for us. And so is Grace Schumacher. 
Uh, they finally figured out their doubles quip. I think they won every single doubles matchup in the last week. Um, so <laughs> I think they finally figured it out. Uh, what was what was harping on them for the last couple of weeks? Um, and so they have two matches left. They play at UCF on Thursday, and then they are home against Memphis on Saturday to wrap up the regular season again before uh, conference tournament. Again, uh, we can toss the record out the window. We'll just focus on the ITA rankings, number sixty. Um, a, a, a split decision this week, so uh, a loss and a win, and then a win again in the uh, in the conference tournament. I think they're a shoe in for uh, the NCAA tournament, but uh, a, a few wins under their belt won't won't, won't hurt them either. Mm-hmm. Hold on, I gotta hydrate. Yeah, I mean, huge, huge rise for women's tennis. I mean, that's just incredible. I mean, the recruiting's there. Uh, you you bring in bring in a star like Sierra Barry, and it raises everybody else up too. So it it's it's just really great to see that. It, it's nice to see like a, a a straight rising improvement in one of the programs that um, under a new coach, right? Um, nah, and 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 they're they're doing they're again egg on my face. Christine Moros has, has been around for the block. I thought maybe they needed a, a fresh face in there. They did it. Uh, they just needed time, really. And and lo and behold, uh, you know, time heals all wounds. It seems in a, in a certain respect. Um, but moving into our uh, our our country club sports, continuing onward, women's golf uh, took part of the Chattanooga Classic. Uh, they finished fourth over the last week. Um, they had a phenomenal last day to go from 6th to 4th on the final day after shooting a tournament low 6 under par for the uh, for the day. Um, they're, again, a team that should be participating in the postseason. Um, we'll see how they close things out, uh, especially when we get into the conference tournament here in a couple weeks. Um, but Melanie Green, I think, is now in the top 20 uh, nationally for amateur golf, for collegiate golf. So she's just been an absolute gem of a, of a human as well. Um, the junior from Adina, New York, uh, finished tied 14th at one over par in Chattanooga. Um, she was just behind Lenore Medeiros, uh, who was even at tied 10th. Uh, Juliana Camargo finished tied at 31st at seven over. She tied with Lauren Heinlein, who was uh, right with her as well at seven over. And then Elise Vidal finished 13th over at tied 55th. Um, so again, Fantastic finish for them. Uh, Chattanooga, I think, won that event um, pretty handedly as well. You know, that fun home field advantage that you get at your home course. That wasn't and just then, a home field advantage. That was what, like, didn't That was they... their practice course. <laughs> yeah. I think they finished, like, 18 under, and, like, the next closest was, like, two over. So <laughs> I always love seeing whenever it's like the, oh, yeah, it's the... Like the Wofford Classic, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, like the leading team um, was like 18 under, and then like the last oh. place team was 85 over. Yeah, the, uh, this one SMU ran away with, uh, ranked 28th. They were 14 under par, and the second place team, Xavier, was plus six. Yeah. And USF was plus 11. So it's, just, it's just one of those where you just see like, oh, okay, that's, you were on. <laughs> Fine, all right. <laughs> you win. All right. Um, I think that I, I think that also happened in men's golf. Um, I don't know if you want to look that's that up, the, but yeah, th- th- that was the because th- that's the Wofford Classic. I remember because we were, we were um, laughing about that one because that was literally like the first place team chat. Yeah, that was number forty nine Chattanooga, and um, 
And it's like 95 strokes ahead of the team in last place. Oh, it doesn't even say it. But yeah, so like, and and USF is second. Did really, really well, but still were like 20 strokes back. It's ridiculous. Um, But yes, men's golf uh, competed in the Wofford Classic. They finished second, which again, sounds fantastic until you look at the box score and see they were like 17 strokes behind first place or something ridiculous like that. Um, I... Men's golf, golf is one of the funniest sports to me because it's one of those sports that just like you'll see a team dominate and just destroy the field, destroy the competition. And then like everyone else is like battling for second place and everyone is within like one stroke of each other. Um, but no one can catch first place after a certain uh, respect. But regardless, second place finish, again, fantastic quality finish. Um, looking again towards postseason for uh, for our men's uh, golf program after, uh, you know, we'll see how the conference play goes, which they host. Uh, so hopefully we get that host uh, team bounce. Uh, mm-hmm. Sam Nicholson mm-hmm. finished fourth at nine under, <laughs> which again is just ridiculous. Fourth place, nine under. Uh, can't get much better. Um, oh, yeah, that's where it gets stupid. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I really wish these were typos. Um, again, nine under Sam Nicholson at fourth. Nino Palmquist was tied 65th. <laughs> and six <laughs> no, under. Sorry. That, that's got to be a typo. Um, no, he was tied sixth. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This That was straight from the USF website, too. Uh, tied six, Nino Palmquist at uh, six under. Uh, Jake Peacock tied 18th at five under, and then Chase Gullickson was uh, seven over, tied 50th, and uh, Shubang Jacqueline was 12 over at tied 71st. That is absolutely a typo because on my notes, which was pulled straight from the USF website, was uh, Nino Pongquist was tied 65th. Yeah, which if if you go from uh, minus nine and you're fourth, and minus six and you're 65th, there's a lot of ties. (laughs) That's a oops. Um, golf is fun. God, I haven't played golf in forever. Um, but again, good showing by them. We should see them uh, here in uh, in postseason play here soon. Um, AAC tournament uh, is here in a couple weeks, um, I believe. At uh, why am I blanking on the name of it? It's over there in Dunedin. It's on Pinehurst. Why am I blanking on it? Vito, I should do better notes. This is what happens when you're not here for oh, a couple uh, of weeks. This one says it's the Pelican Golf Club in Bel Air, Florida. Ah, yes, that one. Pelican Bel Air. Yeah. Not um, uh, Innisbrook, I think you were thinking. Yeah, I thought it was Innisbrook. Regardless, good for them, though. Um, technically hosting still. So moving into our uh, our hit ball stick sports uh, that are a little bit bigger than a golf ball. Uh, baseball is 14 and 19 on the year, 4 and 2 in the American Athletic Conference. They are tied first in the AAC uh, despite the losing overall record, and, uh, and go on. This is this is wild to me, just because uh, <laughs> it's just like Houston women's basketball that, like you know, was second or third in the conference, but had a a, a terrible out of conference record, so they were under five hundred. This just goes to show you that it doesn't really matter what happens out of conference in these sports. It's really nice for your seeding when you get into the postseason, but outside of that, if you win your conference, doesn't matter. So four and two in the AAC. Took two of three from UCF. Hilarious. Took two of three from Tulane, which after the first game, which is really great. And um, so two series wins and to, to open conference play. You can't ask for anything better than that. Hey, I'll, I'll always take those. Um, yeah, so uh, they dropped that uh, home opener against uh, Tulane. 
It was actually their third loss in a row. Uh, so they dropped the last game against UCF on the road. Uh, they lost a midweek matchup against uh, UNF in extra innings, which, by the way, that was the sixth straight loss to UNF for <laughs> baseball. Um, Paige has been swooping on me ever ever since uh, that moment, uh, but then lost <laughs> that uh, opener against Tulane. Um, again, you know, got some heated there, and uh, then they, you know, run ruled Tulane the next night and shut some people up, and then uh, took it from them and. Uh, on that Sunday or on the Saturday to uh, to win the series there. So um, overall, uh, over the last week, they uh, they were why am I blanking on the uh, numbers uh, five and three uh, over the last week. Um, so again, great uh, little uh, start to the year. They traveled to take on Houston, or excuse me, their home against Bethune Cookman, and then they traveled to Houston, uh, who is also tied first place right now in the conference. Uh, Houston has been much improved on the year as well. They have a uh, phenomenal pitcher. Uh, their Friday starter has been lights out this year. Um, they have some good bats as well. But for USF, their their pitching has been much improved over the last uh, two weeks as well. Um, they finally have a, a what I would consider to be a pretty solid rotation. Um, Ethan with the bis. Ethan Brown is the best nickname in USF right now. Uh, Ethan Boogie Brown has uh, cemented himself as the Friday starter. Um, uh, he's pitched phenomenally aside from the first inning against Tulane in that first game. Uh, that first inning, and in fact, his first five batters faced, uh, he gave up three runs just off the top like that and then shut him down the rest of the way. Um, he had a phenomenal opening series against UCF as well. Uh, he's really cemented himself into that Friday role once he gets calm. Uh, but not to be outdone, Jack Seward and Hunter Mink have been your uh, excellent Saturday and Sunday starters as well. Um Riley Skeen has also come in to be a, a great closer for the Bulls. They're they're starting to get their groove back uh, pitching wise, which is great because they are hitting lights out right mm-hmm. now. This is this is one of the best hitting teams that USF has had in years, and it's being led by a true freshman in Eric Snow. Eric yes. Snow has just been should have been play should have at least been on the honor roll this week, but I digress. Uh, but Raphael Bencourt. Uh, Travis Sankovic, the transfer from Marshall, Bobby Bozer, Daniel Cantu. Um, these guys have all just produced timely hitting uh, across the board. And then, of course, you still have, uh, you know, prospective MLB draft pick Drew Brutcher, just ready to clean up and hit grand slams at any particular time. So I just want to, yeah. I just want to say these stats for Eric Snow because true freshman, right? Did he register it last year? True freshman. Uh, true he- freshman, I believe. He is batting 316 in 20 games played, started 19 of them. 15 runs, 24 hits, two doubles, three home runs, and 16 RBIs. Um, I, he has a 97% fielding percentage. It's just as a true freshman, playing um, playing in the infield, is he shortstop? What does he play? Hold on. Yeah, shortstop. shortstop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, as a shortstop. You, you can't ask for anything more. I mean, he's, he, his strikeouts are up a little bit, but I mean, every, every it seems like every other game he has some sort of clutch hit. And right. you put him in the two in the two spot, you know, and right behind him is Daniel Cantu and Drew Brutcher. It's like, I mean, when those all three of those guys are on, it seems like in this in these winning in these wins, it's that meat of the order that's that that's able to to come through. And then Bobby Bozer, obviously, and then you know you're finally starting to see a little bit of a groove here. Now, hopefully we can continue it. Houston's going to be a tough matchup, but right. uh, baseball's figuring it out. I know pitching seemed to be 
an issue and every once in a while it you know becomes an issue but you know with Billy Mole behind from a pitching perspective I always feel like he'll he'll get the guys that he needs to um in the right place and overall it's going to end up working out so looking forward to seeing what happens next absolutely no, and, and they've they've been they've been finding their groove around this time of year anyways I mean it, it, it's it Billy Mole recruits really good pitchers, and then it just so happens that those pitchers get drafted to the MLB. Yeah, whether that, whether they play in the green and gold or not, they get drafted, and that's a good notch under their belt. And it's just kind of that's the way that the cookies roll. Sometimes, sometimes you know your your top three pitchers plus your top uh, you know freshman pitcher that would have been end up not coming to campus, and you got to replace five guys all of a sudden. Yeah, it's and it, it's hard to I can't imagine having to recruit in that situation. So you know, funny we we're just talking about USF fourteen and nineteen, but four and two in the AAC. <laughs> Tulane's two three and three in the AAC. What, do you know what their record is? <laughs> they're like six and like twenty. Yeah, they're nine and twenty three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? Ridiculous. Who did they play before? Uh, sorry, that, that that's just. Oh, they were. Those things were... like don't compute to me. It's like oh well, you're bad, but then how are you good just in these random, uh, you know? Against these random opponents, but um, uh, Tulane traditionally good at baseball. Um, but again, it doesn't really matter once you get the um, in conference; anything can happen. So exactly. uh, four and two, big ga- three game series in Houston. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll see we'll see what can happen. But if they can keep if they can keep it going, um, traveling to Houston is going to be tough. But tomorrow against Bethune Cookman at home. So if you're around, go ahead and watch the game. It'll be fun. Oh yeah. I haven't been to a Hell baseball yeah. game yet, but now that we're back from Italy and all that planning is over, I plan to do a lot more stuff like that. So looking forward to it. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we're back. We're, we're all fighting for a second. No one's going to catch East Carolina. They're, they're, they're too fucking good at yeah, baseball. They're, it pisses me off. They're, they're too stupid good. Um, I'm just going to say real quick, just because we, we kind of uh, eased over it. Hilarious. While I was, again, over in Italy, just waking up and going like, huh, they beat UCF. That's rules. And then the next day, they did it again? And just everyone in the Discord just like, LOL, this is hilarious. What the heck happened? Just yeah, like, well, I mean, I can tell you what happened. Well. Well, <laughs> um, if you're right. in the Discord, you knew yep. about it. Yep. We're not going to. We, we, won't, we, won't, we won't talk about these. these out, we'll, we'll pull a Greg Lovelady. We won't talk about these allegations. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to move forward. We're going to be better in the future. Um, we're going to move on and try to, try to brush it under the rug. Uh, softball has had a volatile year to start their uh, season for uh, for conference play. Uh, They're uh, 25 and 18 overall. Uh, They're six and three in the American athletic conference. They have uh, swept ECU. They got swept by Wichita state and then they swept Tulsa, which is just roller coaster. Hey, that's fun. Um, You know, we'll, uh, at some point, uh, especially when we get closer to the AAC uh, conference for softball, we'll talk about Wichita State. Um, usually uh, in these kind of mid-major softball, kind of a little too high to be mid-major, a little too low um, to be a power conference team. Um, the American always produces at least one school that is really fucking good at softball every season. Uh, three years ago, it was USF. Uh, last year, it was uh, UCF. Uh, this year, it is Wichita State. Uh, Wichita State, do not take that sweep uh, with anything but 
that's an elite team. That is one of the best teams in, in collegiate softball this year. We're going to gloss over those losses because, frankly, just add three losses to USF schedule this year for, for Wichita because they're that good. They, um, yeah. They're RPI number 24 with a 34-7 and seven record. They're on a 10-game winning streak currently. And they and, are seventeen and three at home. They're they're one of those elite teams that can go up. And you know, it it's Wichita. They're going to be good at baseball. So at uh, uh, good at bad sports rather. So in softball, I mean, getting swept by them, they are they are turning into that elite team. Thirty four and seven. That's my goodness. That that might be the most wins. Okay, never mind. I like no, fourth most wins. Maybe I'm yeah. looking. <laughs> Oklahoma's thirty six and one because they're Oklahoma. Oklahoma State's thirty five. Oh my gosh, the big twist. Wait, what's so the, part of that 10 game win streak, by the way, for Wichita is over Oklahoma State. Oh, seriously? They beat Oklahoma State like last week. Like right after they right after they swept us, they beat Oklahoma State. It's like okay. There, there, there is a very strong possibility that the 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 uh, softball world series runs through Oklahoma for multiple reasons. <laughs> because yeah. you've got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Wichita who are all very formidable. There is no reason that those three teams should not host this year. And I know that sounds stupid to have three teams from the same state host like that. They absolutely should. There, there absolutely should be a Bedlam. There absolutely should be a Stillwater. And there should absolutely be a Wichita regional this year in softball. I'm going to talk to Eric Lopez about this at some point. But regardless, um, they swept Tulsa this past mm-hmm. week. Um, they had two come from behind victories included in that uh, with two walk-offs, back to back walk-offs on uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, Gabrielle and Nori is back and healthy and was the primary pitcher. Uh, we did not see any of Peyton Dixon over the week. I believe she is nursing a little bit of an injury there. Uh, she had 13 strikeouts over the three games against Tulsa where she appeared in all three. Uh, some of it in relief. <clears throat> the, um, I think the big story, though, from the past weekend for uh, softball is Kathy Garcia Soto has just been a, a clutch hitting machine. Uh, she just finds her way on base and, and produces runs in, in some way, somehow. Um, Alex Galagana got the walk off on Saturday, um, which was funny because they were being no hit until the, um, excuse me, um, switching gears going to Sunday. They were being no hit until the fifth, uh, but they still managed to win that game five to four. So uh, found two resilient ways to uh, to get some victories under their belt. And um, yeah, they they've just been they they found that groove again. Uh, Ken Erickson, we should never doubt for any particular reason. Um, he's he's got his team humming in the right direction. Uh, this week they've got a weird schedule. Uh, they uh, traveled to Stetson and. Or excuse me, they traveled to Gainesville to play Stetson twice and Florida twice on Wednesday. Oh, it, yeah. So they play, okay. Yeah, they play Stetson twice on the 12th. And then they play Florida oh. twice on the 12th. And I, I can't quite figure out I don't think that's, why. That can't be. Hold on. And, and yeah, it, I paused at it, but I was like, I'm going to put it anyways. Uh, and then they traveled to take on UCF this week, which will be uh, a battle for, again, basically a battle for second place because, uh, frankly, no one is going to be catching Wichita State anytime soon uh, on the softball side of things. Um, UCF was picked uh, first in the um, American Athletic Coaches Bowl this year. Uh, they have uh, not quite hit expectations just yet, but 
Uh, they are still formidable. They have uh, fantastic pitching and fantastic hitting as well with Jado Cody uh, there. So something to watch out for. Uh, we'll see what Ken Erickson can cook up with the uh, team. Yes. Yeah, so uh, it's actually, so they have the weekend off. So they do a doubleheader on the 12th against Stetson and DeLand and a doubleheader on the 19th, which is next Wednesday against Florida. Ah, okay. That's and what then it is. That weekend they play, man, that stinks. Wish that was swapped. Then they play UCF next weekend. Oh, of course. What's the weekend off? Oh, because Taylor Swift weekend. Duh. Duh. That just makes way too much sense. Incoming. Um, incoming cat butt. Um, <laughs> DH means doubleheader. Yes. That means they'll play two games on, on one day. Um, and then uh, before before we go into the marathon, uh, no pun intended, uh, sailing uh, looks like they're having a bit of a down year right now. They finished 12th out of 12 at the Dellen Ball Women's Team Race in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, just It looks like it might be a little bit of a down year for them. No big deal, though. Uh, they do have a uh, regatta coming up this weekend, uh, the Emily Wick Women's Regatta in New London, Connecticut. See if they can start getting their groove back. <laughs> uh, the other teams corked their boats. Um, okay, so, um, and again, I still want to learn more about regattas because it's like, oh, the 12th of the 12th, then somehow they'll still like compete in a national championship. <laughs> um, how that works. Uh, yeah, so track and field, track and field, track and field. Track and field. We have some, a uh, we had a couple a um, events that happened the past couple weekends, um, but USF has been dominant in both of them and doing really, really well. Um, in the South Florida Invitational that happened this past weekend, um, the 4x400 took first place, the time of 338.56. And there was, a th and they also had third place at the time of three forty eight fifteen. So when you have two squads finishing or podiuming, I think that's pretty darn good. Um, uh, that's the, the team. The team that got first was uh, uh, Denisha Anderson, Janiah Burton, Taryn Peterson, and Zariah Ailers Libbard. Man, I'm hoping getting these names right every time. And the third place team was uh, Shakaya Plummer, Chanelix Davila, Madeline Abega, and Arden LaRose. So again, first and third, not bad. Uh, Lauren Johnson came first in the triple jump with a mark of 12.24 meters. That seems very far. Um, and Annie Ashley came in second with 12.21 meters. So again, you have two podiums happening at the same time for USF. In the 400-meter dash, Janiah Burton finished first with a time of 53.73 seconds. And that's the program's all-time list in third place. So... Um, on that particular day, uh, for the women, the Bulls had uh, five event wins. And again, our smashing program records, which is just incredible for Eric Jen Jenkins' squad. And um, good for six all-time in program history. Uh, I didn't actually write down what that uh, that event was. Uh, four by... They took first place. It was, the, it was their sixth... Um, event they took fourth place and i didn't write that down what what race that was but i will i will we will we will sort through that here in a, <laughs> shortly um ella dolce claims the first podium finish of the day for the bulls that day um 3.9 meters in the pole vault so it's not even it's not only just the running it's also the or the short-term running it's also the field 
which is, uh, again, just pretty incredible for what Eric Jen- Jenkins had done. Uh, so for the men uh, in the uh, South Florida Invitational, in the pole vault, Kobe Babin and Stone Baker uh, claimed first and second place in the full bo- pole vault, respectively. And uh, Babin got a new personal best, tying him for fourth all-time in uh, program history with 5.25 meters pole vaulting. That's like something I feel like I'd like to try, but I'd be terrified. I don't think I, I wouldn't be able to, you know, physically get the pole vault and the thing and then like jump. That seems very hard. I'd like to just like see like the mechanics behind that. Um, our, bu- our, our boy, uh, Ro- Romain Beckford, NCAA indoor cha- champion, Romain Beckford, uh, remains undefeated on the season. He won last week and then he also won this week again, claimed another first place finish after jumping 2.22 meters. Uh, Kendall Mosley finished third in the same event. It's his new personal best with 2.07 meters. So considering Kendall Mosley's personal best right now is 2.07, and Romain Beckford did 0.2 over that. Damn. Uh, the bay is jumping. What can I say? Uh, Johan Jeremiah in the shot put finished second with a mark of 16.89 meters. Again, something that like I... Because you spin around and then you throw, I don't know. I think I just, I want to learn more about some of these field events. It's pretty cool uh, to see that Uh, later. He finished third in the discus with a mark of 50.8. So he's just good at throwing things. Hell yeah, they are. It's a lot of jumping. It's a lot of throwing and it's a lot of like just athletic ability. Uh, 400 meter relay. They finished sixth, but uh, their time of 40.62 is the fourth best time in program history but they finished sixth place just goes to show you that even in those where, you know, historically USF wasn't really good at it. They're starting to get better. Uh, and another podium finish for his Victor Steiner. He placed second in the 110 meter hurdles with a time of 14.02 seconds. Elijah Wright then finished second in the 400 meters of the bulls. Um, they're running a time of 47.2. There's a lot of stuff. I'm trying to read it all. Steve's frustrated. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it's just, it's hilarious. It's missing two weeks of uh, track stuff. Yep. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Shore claimed a new personal best time uh, in the 800 meter race to finish seventh in the event. Uh, the time was 155.71. Still impressive. Still better than us as am- amateur runners as we are. Meanwhile, in the 400 meters, uh, Michael Bourne finished third with the season best of 54.22 seconds. Uh, Shavoy Reed came in first for um, the second victory for the men that day, uh, winning the 200 meter dash and 2.45 seconds. That's really fast. <laughs> can he? Can he? Can he play football? <laughs> I'm kidding. So th- that's one thing I did want to ask you, Stieg. We always say like track speed, but like, does that translate when you start putting the pads on? Does that like officially change things? How your speed is? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like I you mean, could like, be fast as a track athlete, but like the minute that you're in a football it, situation, it's very different. It's also like the helmet, like wearing a helmet also makes it a little bit more difficult um, for things and put pads in the shoulder. And then like, Jared, like the big thing with, with football speed is that football speed is, is not straight always. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's about being able to cut because like, it, I mean, if you put, Michael Bourne, who I'm sure is a is a phenomenal athlete, and you tell him to if you if you put Michael Bourne and probably a guy like Jimmy Horn like side by side, like Michael Bourne is going to be faster. But if you put Michael Bourne and helmets and shoulder pads and cleats and tell him to run a 
speed option and make to the outside and then sprint up, it's a little bit more difficult for him at that point. Yeah. It's always just fascinating to hear like that term track speed in football. It's like, oh, okay. Well, it's a little different. Um, in the 500 meter, Nicholas Kamen finished second with a uh, time of 1510.73, followed by Tyler Wadsworth, uh, who finished fourth, but he had a new personal best time of 1523.62. Uh, so it's really good to see like even these guys are just improving over the course of the season, getting personal bests. And then those just happen to be like top 10 finishes in USF history. Um, Sebastian Edwards also got a personal record, uh, personal best, finishing seventh in the competition. Uh, that that was the 5,000 meter. That's a lot of meters. Just fucking running off 5K out of nowhere. Uh, why don't you just call it a 5K? You know, that's fine. Um, the 4 by 400 meter uh, relay uh, took first place. So, uh, what the heck? Uh, Zaquan Lincoln, Dante O'Banion, uh, Michael Bourne, and I just put Wright. Who is his name? I want to get it right. Elijah Wright. Um, with, with the 4x400. And that was you know another uh, combo of uh, the 4x400 who won last year's American Athletic Conference Tournament or uh, Conference Championship. So they got first again in the, in the USF track and field or the USF Invitational. Um, so next weekend, the Bulls split up. One group will head to Walnut, California for the Mount Sac Relays, while the other goes to Gainesville for the Tom Jones Memorial. I believe Can you imagine like, the uh, straws you had to pull for that one? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I believe the Relays is going to be our track, folks, and I believe the Tom Jones Memorial is more of the field um, field events. Yeah. So I, I, think, I think you'll see like uh, Paul Volters and, and Jeremiah with the uh, throw events and everything like that. They'll probably head to Tom Jones. Maybe um, may, they might send like a, a, a B team to the Tom Jones Memorial, but they're going to send their best guys to, to Walnut. Yep. And I mean, that's really cool. California in the middle of April. Absolutely. So uh, they split those. Um, okay. So there's there's that. They have another split the weekend after. And then after that's the outdoor championships, May 12th through 14th. Hell so yeah. they have a month before that. Um, track and field ends up kind of wrapping up olympic sports right before baseball and softball do so yeah we'll see we'll see how they do um again romaine beckford's still undefeated it's in the middle of april <laughs> yeah uh, ncaa championships like that's uh, when, when it comes to athletes that's one of the best of all time right now having an all-time season and we'll roll that right into the fella and bella of the week and i'll just start romaine beckford my fellow of the week as long as he keeps winning he's going to keep being the fellow of the week I mean, at this point, yeah, and and we'll do, um, you know, a special shout out to uh, Boogie Brown as well, um, mm-hmm. phenomenal uh, pitcher for USF Riley Skeen as well, Eric Snow, yep. um, USF pitchers have been have been on it on the last couple of weeks. Uh, Sam Nicholson finishing fourth at the uh, at the um, Watford Classic, not to be outdone. Uh, that is a phenomenal finish, um, <laughs> especially at a loaded field like that. Um, but like, I mean, it's going to be Romaine Beckford until it isn't. Um, because you're just so fucking good at high jump. At, at, if you're undefeated, I mean, how many how many teams, individuals are undefeated in a season? You know, four months going into it, that's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then on the uh, on the Bella side of the week, and it, it, again, I have a broken record at this point. Uh, Sierra Berry continues to be really fucking good at tennis. Yep. She was down. She lost her first set against Tulane, six to or one to six. 
Then she won the next two in very convincing fashion. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, Sierra Berry continues to be really fucking good at tennis. Uh, USF's ace on the women's tennis program uh, should be ranked. I don't know why she isn't um, as singles, but you know, I'm not going to complain too much. She is always going to be my bella of the week. Yep. Um, I and as much as the uh, Romaine Beckford's the bit for me, she's the bit for you. But Sierra Berry again is just killing it and has since last season, and that's really just helping pick up the team, do as well as, as they've been doing. Um, I picked Gabrielle Nor- Nori because after being absent for a few weeks uh, with injury, it seemed like she's come and she dominated this weekend against Tulsa. Seven innings pitched on the sixth um, with five strikeouts. Um, came in relief to, with two innings pitched with two with, um, hold on, I said that right. Yep, two strikeouts on the seventh and then came in on the eighth, five innings pitched. Um, giving up four runs, but with four strikeouts, just kind kind of coming back and taking control and helping USF sweep an entire uh, sweep Tulsa, who traditionally is good at softball. It doesn't look like they're at this point of the season so far, but still, that that's really solid. And this is the first time I've seen USF in a very long time have multiple starting pitchers who can pitch very well. And I know it's like you don't have anyone the quality of. Georgina Korik, but you have a lot of different pitchers who can pitch successfully. And when the offense is rolling, this team can win. And it's like, this is very good where they're at right now in third place. Let's see what they can end up doing the rest of the season. But uh, Gabrielle Nori, Bell of the Week. But also, uh, and again, we said at the top of the show, and we'll say it again, Elena Shanaki and Dulcie Fank and Manjedu um, are honorary Bellows of the Week because Mm -hmm. um, back-to-back draftees in the WNBA draft. Absolutely love to see it. Your AAC um, co-players of the year, they they uh, are were always you know back to back on who are the players of the week honor rolls that just one and the same that they're, they're they're two two very very good players great ambassadors for the school super excited for them and uh, looking forward to watching them in the WNBA as the m- amount of WNBA players from USF grows it's yes, pretty cool which is amazing. Um, but uh, before we wrap up here, uh, the USF football spring game is this Friday at Corbett Soccer Stadium on campus at the University of South Florida there. Uh, the game starts at 7. Uh, there are a lot of fun. There is a lot of festivities. There is a lot of ways to get free beer at the at the USF spring game this Friday. So Is there really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I There, there are ways, my friend. There are okay. ways. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the festivities start around, uh, I think like five o'clock. Um, there's a lot of pregame activities. There's going to be postgame fireworks. Um, it should be a good time had by all, uh, there are special events going on by, uh, different, uh, groups. So, uh, make sure to check it out. I will be there. I believe Nate and I believe Seth are going to be there as well. Vito, will you be there? Uh, I got to figure out if I'm going to be able to get out of work, but, uh, it's looking good. So I'll let you know if it ends up happening and we'll try to see if, uh, the, the buddies can, can go out as well. Um, we, we have some family coming into town this weekend, but I think it's not going to affect the, uh, the spring game. I'm glad it's back on campus. I've always loved it when I was on Corbett. Um, Ray J is always fun, but you know, it's just great to be on campus and get out of work and just head over there. Absolutely. That'll be fantastic. Um, so We'll look to see people there. Uh, but uh, for the USF Roundup, it's me at Robert Stieglife, and it is you at Anthony Vito. Thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Mamma mia.